Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Dutch Ooh. Web3 Community Podcast. Uh, we have some very special guests here today, uh, Remo Flutes and Yo-Yo Maylarts from Castle of Blackwater. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Right. Super exciting stuff. And Bo is here again as well. So thank you, Bo, for being here with us. Um, yeah, I want to start at the start, actually, and we'll get into the game later because there's super exciting stuff there. But I'm really wondering, how did you guys get into Web3 and specifically gaming, I guess, right? Uh, I'm going to let Raymo go first on this one. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like if, if we want to answer that question, we have to go back like a long time uh, because that obviously the question starts like, where did I meet Jojo? And then how did Jojo and I uh, start with, with building a game like this? So. Jojo uh, did the same university as I did, hotel management school in Maastricht, and we were friends back then. Uh, I was his business coach for, <laughs> for I believe, a year or something, because I was like two years ahead of uh, Jojo uh, back then. Um, and we always stayed in touch, so we were not only friends, but after the, uh, after the university, uh, Jojo went his own way, I went my own way, I uh, built some other companies. And then uh, Jojo came to the office, uh, like a f months ago in uh, Nijmegen, and uh, we were talking about the whole crypto space because I'm in the crypto since 2016. And Jojo, I believe you are in the crypto space around the same time, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. So, Some yeah. Real we... OGs there, huh? Started uh, off as degenerate uh, crypto traders, of course, like everyone else. Yeah, got wrecked a few times <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but, but then, yeah, we, we, we met each other in, uh, in Nijmegen and we just spoke about the um, other things going on in the crypto space. So not only the play to earn gaming model, but also the NFTs and crypto itself and uh, like more like the vision that, that we think where the whole crypto space will go to in the next, like, let's say, five years. And we were, we were getting really excited, especially regarding the whole a gaming section in the in the blockchain in the crypto space um, reason being is because we were pretty hardcore gamers ourselves when we were younger uh, so yeah it was more like a, maybe a little bit of a dream look at that what rocket league trophy right there <laughs> that's awesome yeah. it was like a, a little dream to build something yourself like building a game which you like back in the day you spend a lot of time uh, in as well and then we start researching the whole economy, especially Jojo started to do a lot of research regarding the whole economy and why it's not sustainable and why the first generation of play to earn games have, have a lot of flaws, which can be solved if you just take a lot of time and you, you speak to a lot of different people, you can really come up with a innovative and new model in this uh, space. Um, so yeah, we, yeah, we just invested some time and the further that we came in the whole play to earn world, so to say, the more we got the confidence like, hey, maybe we can really make a change and we can really make something cool in this space. So then we said like, yeah, why, sh why shouldn't we try it at least? Uh, but yeah, when you say you try, you of course go hardcore into it and you do everything you can to make uh, the best product in your uh, yeah, capacity, so to say. Um, yeah, that's that's the, the 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 flow of life, so to say. So the the way that I met Jojo until four months ago or five or six, I, I'm not even sure anymore how long it was uh, that we started to uh, build Castle of Blackwater, and now we are. Yeah, the website is live. Uh, the white paper is completely done. We spoke to so many game economists, and we really have like a really clear vision where we want to go and what we want to bring with the game, etc. 
So now I will shut up and we'll give... Uh, yeah, save back. some for the rest of the podcast, bro. <laughs> um, no, that's very, very good explanation. The, the only thing I can add is um, it was around the time when I was still an IT recruiter and uh, I didn't like the job that much. It was quite a competitive, money-driven uh, culture. But I did like talking to developers about you know the recent changes happening in technology and, and blockchain. And it was around the time when I discovered uh, Play to Earn Gaming early 2021. I got involved with Axie Infinity, Town of Salem, all these these first generation uh, play to earn games i call them um but i was just left feeling very disappointed with the the lack of quality they weren't fun experiences i lost a lot of money because the, the models weren't sustainable and after a bunch of complaining about this to Remo, eventually Remo was like well let's stop complaining let's let's do it better you know let's do it ourselves um and then i started working part-time so i took one day in the week where i'd go to Remo's office and we'd work on the idea we'd do brainstorming then over the Christmas holiday, which was like two weeks, uh, we banged out a really cool version of the first draft of the white paper. And when I came back in the Netherlands, I read the white paper one more time and I was like, this is it. You know, quit my job right there and then and we went full time. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, so you, you kind of mentioned, of course, we were going to do our own thing in Web3. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, that's not of course. You guys really just took out, when did you start building this? Because it's quite a big um undertaking to do right starting yeah. your own game like that i think it's been about eight months until like when the first conversation started seven months when we started really brainstorming and six months ago the first version of the of the white paper was starting to take shape something like that that is fantastic i just read the light paper and you guys' roadmap is like it seems like this uh upcoming mint which is on the 20th of may by the way for everybody mm -hmm. listening super exciting stuff it's also kind of a a, a funding round for you guys no yeah, so yeah. We've, we've gone the way of uh, bootstrapping as much as possible. One of the, the biggest problems in the space is where a team or a project, Play to Earn, brings out a, a token way too soon. And they onboard a lot of investors buying into this token, but that leads to a lot of uh, investors usually dumping the coin as well later in the game. So when you, when you rush out a token without having that clear utility, that's usually not a great way to start a, a sustainable economy. So we've decided to, to bootstrap as much as we can. And you know, if an investor gets on board at any stage, we'll obviously take a look at the, at the possibilities. But that sustainability, I think that that's something that's key for us to, to maintain throughout. Um, and yeah, so the idea is to, to start small, generate a little bit of funds, invest that back into marketing, then get a little bit more funds, and then we'd like to start building the game as soon as possible. Yeah, and that's also the reason that we really try to self-fund everything ourselves right now. Because if you give, if you give a piece of your company away too early, and and you don't really have like a clear vision, and you don't have the ethical things that you find important, then you will just go. You you will hunt the money, and you will find the investors. Like there are many investors that are willing to, you know, invest a huge amount of money into a game which doesn't even have like a clear utility or whatever. However, you will never make a change in the space if everybody just tries to get the easy money and try to build something which they didn't really think of enough. Uh, and I really believe that if you're investing yourself in the beginning and you're making the commitment to try to fund everything yourself, you're not only showing that you're 100% engaged in the project because you're spending your own euros to, to build something, but it also gives you way more time and also way more control in the beginning to uh, be flexible and if you learn something to go maybe a slightly different way which is way better 
for the community and the, and the quality of the game, etc. So that is the reason that we decided, okay, let's self-fund everything. And when we have the feeling that, you know, we have everything 100% clear and we have utility for the coin and um, like everything is done, so to say, then we are open to, to investors because then we are in a way stronger position ourselves as well. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I was really wondering, so you're talking about a coin and, and that's going to, um, yeah, orchestrate the whole economy within the game and what were the biggest hurdles you've thought out from now because it's a really hard topic right tokenomics within the gameplay uh, you were talking about uh not not play to earn but um like like earn to sorry play and earn, play play and earn. And so so it's a really different concept yeah. when i think about it it's just a few words but it's such a different way of thinking about it could you explain more yeah, so um, that is one of the fundamental problems of the, the play to earn model. It's, you know, at first there was this whole notion of gaming and people invested money into gaming because they were having fun and enjoying experiences. Then the whole revolution of, you know, you can now have NFTs as characters and then you can earn money. People became so obsessed with the idea of making money in games that they stopped caring about the true essence of what gaming was about. It was about the fun experiences. And that's how play to earn was born. And you saw the, the Axie Infinity hype in the Philippines. People really treated, started treating play to earn gaming as if it was a regular job. And you had all these these game companies out there saying, we're going to replace uh, employment for people in developing countries. Everybody's going to play games. That doesn't work. It's a fairy tale. Um, the whole point is that we have to now, we've, we've seen both extremes. We've now gone to the extreme of treating it as, a, as an earning vehicle. It shouldn't be. It can be, but it, it won't be for everyone. And now we have to draw that back in order to find a balance between getting the true gamers on board who are willing to spend money to buy enjoyable experiences. And on the other side, instead of one corporation that is making billions and billions on everyone, on the other side, you can now have a small pool of people that are also uh, investing their time and their value of, of creating a game experience and then extracting value in the, in the form of tokens. It's all about value extraction and value injection and finding a balance between the player bases. Awesome. And you, you touched base on uh, community values, right? Uh, like you're building a community right now, and the the the, the value, um, you your the quality of value you're trying to bring uh, by not taking in funds is is much higher. Uh, what 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 kind of uh, solutions with the community are you figuring out right now? Because you're really flexible and you're really engaging with the community, like. What could we do better and and what kind of um, ideas did they come up with whilst being part of your community yeah maybe we should also tell a little bit about the vision of the DAO. there's a DAO as well uh, with the community do you want yeah like we are exploring the opportunities right now like besides castle of blackwater we have like the fair play collective it's like a collective of other like play to earn leaders so other companies that are also you know trying their best to uh, bring innovation into the space uh, trying to build like sustainable models uh, fun games etc uh, etc et and in the end we believe that you have 
like you don't have to but that's the power of blockchain right everybody can have like a small part of ownership and in an, in a DAO you can build together with your community that's not only great for your community itself because you can listen to the feedback of the people but also if you listen to the feedback and you build something you already know that like 100,000 people or maybe 200,000 people are literally waiting for you to build something so in the traditional market like you have the the, the, the big game companies they invest millions and millions of euros to build a game and then they hope it will work in the end and sometimes a really small thing which really set you know sets the community up um, can really make the whole game like people will not play it because they don't like a certain aspect of the game and that's the whole thing there are big corporations pushing games and if you don't like it yeah that's that's your thing and on the other side you have like a community that that is getting louder and louder and they want to have some some voice in the way that you're building your game so uh, at this current moment what we did in the beginning we found like very knowledgeable people in the space and we just connected with them one-on-one -on -one. we did zoom calls with them and you can imagine like from game economists to like people that are already built like 20 of games in the in the traditional world so, so to say so in the web 2.0 space and we just pitched our pitched our ID, the, the economic model, and the things that we could improve. That were really the first people that got a lot of feedback, and which we were thinking about to get. Like, of course, you don't implement all the feedback in the beginning because sometimes it doesn't feel right for, for yourself. But at least you listen to them, and then you create something which is in line with your vision and their vision. And then the games get the game gets to a certain level, which is you know everything is being thought of. So then you have to push the first version. And then when you, when you build a community, you have like a certain space. So you get thousands of people playing your game. And then you also have like a, a community base. And then from that moment onwards, you can start thinking of a DAO and implementing DAO features and giving them more voting power and build the rest of the game together. So yeah, that, that is, it's, so yeah, now, I will stop talking because but, we have a lot but, of but basically you, you've subject. you've connected with the, the the people who are not knowledgeable on every aspect of your game, right? And try to gain gain as much of uh, productive feedback as possible. And the stage where you're going to integrate it completely with the community is at a at a later stadium, right? That that's what you're saying. Yeah. So they they they've had Correct. some yeah. opportunities to. Uh, engage on the artwork, engage on uh, events within the community because it, it's it's really li living up, right? There's a lot of uh, people coming to uh, Discord on a daily basis, um, and 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 I think yeah. they're really hyped to to see what you you guys are going to build eventually. So, what I'm really really curious about is like this this play to earn um, concept is you've got the the move to earn right now you've got the play to earn so you 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 guys integrated a new concept but um what do you think is going to happen is there is there is it like the most most ideal solution for a moba game or are there uh things still missing or are there opportunities that they're still uh being thought of within within the current economies within these games or yeah, that's a, a very open-ended question. It is. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot I can talk about with regards to 
uh, how we're tackling the, the sustainability of the economy, right? Um, so like I said, it's about balancing the, the value injectors and the value extractors. And the number one problem in the first generation games is if a game isn't fun, by definition, it'll be very hard to attract value injectors into the game. Now, you mentioned something called move to earn. So everyone here knows Steppen, for example. I am on the camp of people yep. who has the opinion that Steppen as a model will not work and that it is doomed to fail because Steppen is filled with value extractors, right? And all of the value injection that occurs, we call it the sinks in game development uh, language. All of the sinks in Steppen relate to boosting the amount of value that you can extract in the long term. So they are uh, sacrificing short-term token burn in exchange for long-term inflation, which is exponential, which is exactly what happened to Axifinity. Therefore, it, it's destined not to work. Um, what we're doing differently uh, is initially we have a game that is fun to play, and then we have created mechanics that allow the players to buy more fun in order to increase their gaming experience. Um, the best way to explain that to any of the gamers that are listening, think of a role-based game like um, World of Warcraft, League of Legends, Dota, uh, a game where you have different kinds of roles in order to form a team, right? And a lot of you who have played these kind of games, you will know that the majority of the players, they want to play the mages, the damage dealers, and the minority of people, they're stuck playing the tanks and the healers because you need those in a game. So in our game, we also have roles and we also understand that there's going to be favoritism. Some roles will be more fun to play than others, but all of them will be crucial to win games. So we're saying uh, before the game starts, players get to bet their tokens in like a bidding room. And if two players want to play the same hero, they kind of go up in a bidding war against each other. And whoever is willing to sacrifice the most tokens and, and risk them in the game, they get to play that character. Um, and if they then lose, they then lose more tokens than they earn. But they're okay with that because they're having fun and they're paying for that fun. On the other side, you have the, the scholars, the, the value extractors, and they're like, I don't care who I play. I just want to make money. So they throw their hands in the air and they are way more consistent in their payout methods because they're not risking as much. And that's kind of how we allow players to buy their funds so that other players can invest their playing time in order to extract the value in the form of currency. That's awesome. And for the people listening right now that may not be familiar with uh, this whole gaming industry and Web3, the problem that we've been seeing, can you explain that a little bit of where, you know, any, uh, like you explained with Stefan, at some point there's just no more money because nobody's paying and people are only earning. Can you talk a little bit about, like, because you guys have a big second mover advantage, right? In a way, you've seen where it went wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, and you're exactly right. It's by studying the failed models such as Axie Infinity, Town Stuff, all of the models that I thought were really interesting ended up failing. And by really understanding the, the core mistakes that they make, we can kind of innovate on top of that in order to introduce new models. And nobody's guaranteeing that those models will work, but we are guaranteeing that they'll be better than the current models. And they've now reached a stage where nobody can verbally poke holes in them anymore. It's like the only way to find out if they do work is by testing them out. Um, another thing that we have invented is something called a percentage-based payout mechanism. So where Axie Infinity, for example, they say every game that you play or win, you get X amount of tokens. And over time, as the token became inflated, they kept having to change that number. They have to change their economic policy in order to keep up with the inflation that they're creating, which is silly. So what we're doing is we're using a finite uh, supply of the token instead of an infinite supply. Yep. And every time the token is burnt in the bidding room or by cosmetics or whatever, it goes back into the treasury. So that's that's cyclical, right? And every game that starts uh, a certain percentage, a set percentage of everything that's available in the treasury will be allocated to that game. 
So stay with me. What that means is that if our game gets uh, too overloaded with value extractors, so scholars, if too many scholars are in our game and nobody's investing money, that treasury is slowly going to drip and drip and it's going to get lower, which means the payouts will get lower, which means the token will become inflated because there's excess supply, little demand, and it's going to keep going lower until those players eventually leave the system because it's no longer financially interesting to do so. However, as the price goes down, that other player base who does want to buy the token in order to have that fun moment, they will find a price equilibrium to which point they think, hey, this is for me the right price for me to, to buy the token and that's what my fun is worth in a sense. And on that way, there will be like a scale and that equilibrium will be fine because the, the, the percentage based payouts go down, the inflation goes up, the token price goes down, people start buying in again because that's what the value of fun is and then it'll go up, the treasury will fill again and there will be more payouts. And that we think is gonna be one of the first fully uh, sustainable, scalable and self-balancing play and earn economies that ever existed so far. Yeah. And that's the funny thing. Then you think like, okay, let's implement the same model in every other you play to earn game. But that's the thing. Um, you cannot really implement the same features for every single game. So for us, a social deduction game like ours, it works perfectly. But if you uh, go to a shooter game or, or something else, you need to create, like the, the principles will stay the same, but the way you, you are implementing stuff like the bidding room that Jojo, for example, spoke about, they have to be changed based on the type of game that you are building. And that, that is the hard part in the space. There is not one model for one game. Uh, like there, there are different models for different genre of games and that people have to find out the right yeah, balance and the right methods for each game. So you're, you're expecting kind of a cyclical movement within the game then, um, if, if you set it up like that, right? Yeah, and, and it's going to start more volatile, but over time it should balance out yeah. more more if, accurately. Yeah, if the player's yeah. basis increases. That's super interesting. Wow. That, that's awesome. You guys really figured out a way. Thank you. I think um, we've had quite a lot of the background on the talk tokenomics right now. I don't think we got into what Castle of Blackwater actually is. Um, Let's start I, with what is a what what is a social deduction exactly. game for the listener? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a social deduction. Maybe I can better give some examples of current social deduction games because exactly. then people, you know, yeah. get an idea of what it is. So, for example, a, a genre of social or, or a game that is in a social deduction genre is, for example, Among Us of or Werewolf or Town of Salem. So it's like a game which you most of the time play with friends or with others, which has like a psychological element to it. So it's not only solo, you're, you're playing in a team, uh, you have to work together, you have to trust certain people and you don't really know who to trust. So in the end, it's like a game of guessing, finding out. Um, yeah, there is a lot of different elements to like a social deduction genre, but then in general, it's more the psychology part and, and playing with friends. And then you have like an extra layer of that each character has certain abilities and we created different factions, but then I'm going too much into our game uh, already. So I don't know if you want to add something to that part, uh, Jojo. Yeah, it's just the whole point of social deduction is that it's based around people communicating and being suspicious of each other. Um, it's yeah. just chaos all around. It's so much fun to play. And we think it really ties in well with that Web3 mindset of open communication and a certain kind of uh, play on words of transparency. So it, it's just one of the games that in our history we enjoy playing most. And we think, you know, being one of the first social deduction games on the blockchain, it's going to have quite an impact in the, in the scene. That's awesome. And what is the 
true added value of making this a blockchain Web3 game uh, over Among Us, which is a Web2 based game? Um, that can actually apply yeah. to any uh, game that is built on the blockchain in the fact that you use digital assets, which are the NFTs, right? And that is the revolution that I think the, the casual gamers have yet to come around on because they see NFT gaming as this huge, scary thing that's going to be worse than microtransactions. But in the core essence of it, when these problems are solved, it's such a major improvement from the previous model. So imagine if you play FIFA and you're one of those people who every year you buy your own ultimate team. And every year when a new FIFA comes out, you have to reinvest and buy the same players over and over again. Well, blockchain gaming solves that problem. You buy the team once, you own them. You can you can rent out your players, earn passive income. You can sell them. You can uh, trade them onto the next version of the game. Over time, there's going to be interoperability yeah. because blockchain is, is generalistic and multiple uh, games can build on a similar infrastructure. So in the future, uh, our NFT might also be able to transport to the sandbox or to Decentraland and play their own kind of games. And it's it's that what really creates power in this this shift that is happening in the entertainment industry. Yeah, well, yeah, and maybe to oh sorry, no, yeah, no, go sorry ahead. I yeah, yesterday I was speaking to a few people and they only heard of NFTs and they were saying like, hey, but there are like dit digital digital uh, artwork, so to say, that costs like thousands of euros. And, and what is the sense of NFTs? So what I most of the time tell to those kind of people that are really not familiar with what, what nfts can do is like you can compare it with your playstation that you're buying a cd a cd of like let's say call of duty with that cd you can put it in your playstation and you have access to the game um that's the same with the nft that that you find in most of the play to earn games the nft is like an access pass to the game itself so it's more digitalized so you can see it as a cd that you put in your playstation or whatever uh, there is like an, a connection, the MetaMask or whatever will be checked. If you have the NFT, you have access to the game and then you can start playing uh, the game itself. So maybe that's an important part that an NFT is not only like a, an image or something. There is real utility and this is just a very small section. There is way more utility behind an NFT, but most people yeah. are just simply not aware of it yet. And the, and the most beautiful thing is like you can keep adding on, right? Like Jojo said, you can build it out to a Decentraland or a, but yeah. you can also add new utilities. So maybe a, a season two or a season three or a season four, like in conventional gaming, it's, it's very interesting because you can keep building up. Right. And is, is that your intention to keep building this for the, the long term, or is it um, like a season passes? Like what's the utility behind the NFT itself right now? Yeah, um, so this is definitely a, a long-term uh, vision for us, if you can call it that. Um, being the first mover in the social deduction genre in where we think an entire industry will be moving in a, in a few years, we really have an opportunity to cement ourselves as the social deduction metaverse. So what I mean by that is that Castle of Blackwater is just going to be our vision of how we would build a social deduction game. It's an example in a sense. And as we're building it, we're also building the tools that allow us to build in that world, kind of like how Sandbox and Decentraland are doing it, but then way more specifically focused on the social deduction niche. So over time, you know, if players will start out playing our Castle Blackwater Challenge, 
then we will develop the whole metaverse around it. And that's a question you can ask in a minute. And that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, but the next stage will be yeah. that we introduce these builder tools. We allow the players to buy some land, use our tools to create their own social deduction games with their own NFT collections, their own game logics and physics. And we will support them along the way, but we will enable them to become creators in our universe and to also take part of that revenue share as, as everyone should in Web3. It's like like game maker, right? Like, yes, exactly. But then for social, for yeah, social brings me back. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine yeah, so there's going to be a VR some... social deduction. There's going to be a 3D, a 2D. There's going to be wizards, elves, anything that you can imagine. It's it's going to happen. I think that's important for people to understand what you just touched on is uh, the way that you guys, as the founders, will be making money off of this. Like normally, people pay to play the game, and that is revenue for the company. In this case, that might go into assets that have already been sold once. Like you can, of course, come up with new collections. But this royalty-based system, how do you guys take advantage of that? Um, I think every solid earnings model in Web3 Gaming will eventually be based around taxation. That just seems to be the go-to model that's fair. Um, it yeah. just means that we facilitate players to uh, take part in a, a gaming economy, in a sense. And every transaction that occurs by the infrastructure that we set up we can add like a small taxation of a couple of percent to ensure the growth and stability of the network over time. So that that's basically every time a transaction occurs, whether it's selling, renting, trading, a small taxation will occur, which will fund our further development. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That's the beauty of that new model. I think that a lot of people in Web2 gaming right now are not yeah. really uh, conceptualizing yet, but once they get that, it's going to be well life changing. Really cool because stuff. for the player it's negligible you know it's such a small yeah. fraction of a, of a cost in a, an economy where they're already profiting so it, it's really a win-win situation for everyone absolutely so let's get into that part that you just mentioned that metaverse of social deduction like what is your guys's vision for that go on Raymo. yeah 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 so in the metaverse uh the, the first thing will be the castle of blackwater challenge itself so we are first building the game but what, what we notice in web 3.0 like a game is is okay but you need to have the community around it and what you see in the current games like among us you have like a game lobby and you're just waiting five minutes ten minutes sometimes 30 seconds before the game starts but it's just you're just wasting your time in a sense because it's it's boring and you have to wait for the other players so we were thinking like, okay, how can we improve the experience of the user um, as well and, and generate like a, a, yeah, just a whole fun new experience around the challenge itself. So then we came up with the whole metaverse ID that we want to build a metaverse where you have like a community house. So you, you can sign up for a game lobby and maybe the game will take like an, a minute or two to start. So what you can do in those two minutes, you can go around the metaverse, um, you don't have to sign up for the game lobby, by the way. You can just also walk around in a metaverse because there will be a lot of mini games to, to play, a lot of conversation with your friends, but that aside. So in the metaverse itself, you have like the community house, you can read about the backstory of Castle of Blackwater, you can read the lore, you have like meeting rooms in, you, in which you can uh, you know, speak or discuss with people like certain strategic things you can do in the game or uh, like, yeah, just strategic uh, game elements, etc. Then we have like the faction hideout. So in Castle of Blackwater, we have three different factions. Uh, we will tell a little bit more about it in the, in the next question, most likely. We have the protectors, we have the satanic and we have the forgotten. 
Um, each faction has their own playstyle and their own unique abilities in the game. But also they have their own faction hideouts in the metaverse. So what, what the metaverse will facilitate is that people that are really hardcore fan or hardcore gamer of a certain faction. So let's say you're really, you really want to grind the, the, the rank of the protectors. Um, you can buy some land in the protectors, protectors faction and if you are really willing to play a lot of protectors you're getting higher in the rank and you can also start doing your own events in the, um, in the uh, protector hideout faction you can buy your own land you can uh, get extra, you can get custom uh, cosmetics so let's say for web 3 community you can get a certain web 3 community cape you can have your own house, your own Web3 community house in the protector faction. So there will be a lot of extra elements of fun and, and mostly community-based in the metaverse itself. Also, we, we are building like a small end game in the metaverse, but I cannot tell <laughs> too much about that part. Uh, yeah. But it will be like there is a lot of fun elements in which in the traditional gaming world, you just have to wait in a lobby and you have to wait yeah, you know, a few minutes and that's it. We're trying to not only make the game lobby fun, but also add a whole community aspect to it, and just with a lot of, yeah, a lot of fun extra elements that you can uh, find out in the metaverse itself. Yeah, wow. I think just a, a small addition to that. If you really want to get a clear picture, if you've ever played Gather, Gather is like a virtual office environment. Some people might know it, and if you used to play Club Penguin, that's a game I used to play when I was like a, a young kid. Those two combined, that's what our metaverse is going to feel like. And for the people that haven't okay. played those games? <laughs> well, then go back to Raymo's explanation. <laughs> right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. And very new. I haven't experienced anything like that in any gaming experience I've had so far. So that's, that's really cool. Well, I'm thinking if you're playing with friends, do you want to earn and win money from your friends, beat your friends? Like, is there a, a way to play for free as well? Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah so, 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 shall I take the first part and you the second part? Yeah, go for it. Then you can. Okay. Because, like, there, there is an issue with play to earn and playing with friends because you can just uh, rock pull, the, or at least if you have three, three of your friends and you know each other rules, you can, uh, you can, you can fuck the game, right? Because you know your friends is a static one, the other one is a forgotten one, and your protector, you can just calculate, okay, who is going to earn the most amount of money, and then we will split it with each, with each other, and that's it. So, to prevent things like that happening, we created like a free to play model. So if you want to play with your friends. You don't really need an NFT or whatever. You can just play with your friends, but you don't earn something. So you can win a game, but you don't get any tokens by winning the game. Um, on the other hand, if you really want to earn tokens, then you have to do the more competitive uh, version of Castle of Blackwater Challenge. But that also means that you cannot you cannot play with your friends because otherwise you can you know screw the whole uh, the whole game. So we have a free to play model, um, and we have like a play to earn model. So yeah. that that will be like randomized we... lobbies and stuff, right? Yeah, so just to quickly uh, explain right. a little bit further, we, we have two game modes as well. We have a ranked and we have a casual game mode. Um, and this is another mechanism that is explained in the white paper about how we prevent too much value extraction. But um, players can only play ranked according to the energy that they have. And energy is something that you get increasingly as you become a higher skilled player. Um, another rule that we have is that you can only play ranked uh, with strangers. You can, you can only queue with strangers. And ranked is the only lobby where you can actually earn. Casual is something that you can play unlimited and you can play with friends. You can still spend money in the bidding room, so that's really good and healthy for the economy, but you won't be able to extract any value because, like Ramo said, you have the risk of, of collaborating with friends in order to cheat the system. 
Right. Will there be uh, will there be any uh, events and tournaments within the game? Uh, uh, I think I heard you ask about events and tournaments. Uh, in which case, I could say uh, esports and and competitive gaming is something that's on the rise, and that's something that's that's definitely going to be in our model as well. Um, in a way, it's already coded into the game that we're creating because of the whole faction system that, that Remo was trying to explain earlier. Um, per faction, we have leaderboards, and you can get faction points based on uh, whether you win a game playing as a faction. Um, so there's definitely going to be competitive nature there. Um, we've also, as part of the, the end game uh, theory that we're thinking of, there might be a uh, possible end game where it's super hardcore that if you lose the game, you lose your NFT. But if you win, you can win some of the most exclusive NFTs that will ever be available. So it's very high risk, high reward. And of course, there will be community events along the way. There will be some competitive uh, arena type events. Anything to keep the community engaged and interactive is it's very important to us. That is fantastic. Um, as I hear this, I'm thinking uh, it sounds like there's a way to progress within the system. Does that increase your chances of winning or is it more like a League of Legends uh, kind of based uh, reward system? Yeah, so we've tried everything we can to stay away as far away as possible from pay to win. Um, we don't want it to be the case where somebody with a big bag of money can come in and can buy all their stats or the best items and can just buy their way to victory. Because um, then you get something called the the, the Diablo Dilemma. In, in 2014, the game Diablo, they came out with an auction before blockchain was even that big. And uh, it allowed players to trade items in their game itself rather than on the black market. However, what happened is that a lot of new players with money came in, bought the best loot, defeated the last bosses, and then they were tired of the game after two weeks. So that, that's one of the big problems in play-to-own gaming that everyone's trying to get a workaround. So that's why we're saying with, with tokens, you can only buy cosmetics and you can uh, buy the fun by bidding on the tokens, but you won't be able to buy anything like stats or XP to make you actually stronger. It's going to be entirely skill-based. So the only yeah. risk I would see there is that people with a lot of money can play the most preferable characters because they will always win the bidding system. Good question. Uh, we we made sure that even if you buy, if you make the highest bid, you're not 100% guaranteed of the role. So I believe that the maximum goes to 75% if I yeah, say correctly, Jojo. Yeah. So even if you bid like uh, a million tokens, uh, nobody will do that. But let's say you're bidding a million tokens, the chances of you getting the role will only be as high as 75%. So even if you're you're not really like you don't really have a lot of money, you still can get like a really desirable role because we don't always give the most desirable role to the to the highest payer, so to say. Well, and and our lobbies based on the ranking system as well, like a Call of Duty style, where you know, yeah, uh, if you have less assets, you'll be in in lobbies with people with less assets. Well, it's mostly based on the the rank that you have. So, like I said, when when you come into the game, you'll have rank zero. You'll be a stranger. You'll have zero energy, so you won't be able to play ranked. You can only play casual, but you'll be able to get some some rank points by playing casual in the first rank. And then as soon as you go up a rank, you, you start going into the ranked lobby system and you will always be ranked against people with a similar rank pointing rating than, than you have. It's so funny. Is, is there... You guys have an answer to everything. We've thought about you everything. Our white paper is 60 pages stuff. long. <laughs> <laughs> so so if, if, if I haven't played for like what, what happens with me, I'm a casual player. Like I, I play for uh, three months extremely intensely, right? right? And you go from noob to semi-professional uh, 
in ranking, right? Mm-hmm. And then you find all these lobbies and you just get smashed by everybody, right? That, that there's this tipping point. But what what have you guys done? Is there like a like it the rank goes down when you don't play or it just stays at that level of of yeah. of, of skill? Yeah, it's, it's it, that's a good question. Like what we did in general to prevent, let's say you're 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 very early to the game and you're you're going to play hardcore. The thing that we want yeah. to prevent is that a new player will never get the highest rank because like the, the, um, it shouldn't be the case that you're grinding for three months. You're like the highest tier. You're you're leaving. You're logging out. You're never coming back. And that's it. So what we did to prevent this uh, thing is that we, for the ranked, we work with seasons, uh, just like uh, League of Legends, for example. So in the season itself, you can grind yourself to the highest rank. And after the after a certain season, it can take six months, it can take nine months. Uh, like this is still open. We are we are testing uh, those things out. Uh, the whole rank system will be set. So you will get an NFT that you were in that certain rank, a certain. Um, or in that season, a certain rank. Uh, so you have like a proof of, of completion, so to say. Like a POAP, or, or, but then uh, with ranking. The proof that you, you got to the highest uh, tier. Yeah, with a bow, but then with ranking indeed. And um, then the next season will start. And you as a new player also has, like, you, you know, you're on, on an even level. However, the other guy maybe has a little bit more experience. So he can grind the ladder up quicker because he just knows how to play the game. It's the same with League of Legends. Like if you're a diamond player, even if you reset the chances of you getting like to gold and diamond you will get there faster because you just have more experience but um that's one of the things and the second thing uh, for your question is even if you don't play uh, if you're in one of the highest tiers there only can be a certain amount of player in those very high high tiers so if you're not playing and the other players are uh, are playing and they are winning it just it's a, a matter of time before you're losing your rank and you're getting demoted to a to a lower rank so in that way we we prevent people grinding for three months logging out and that's it yeah so and the highest really ranks is going to be elo based yeah that's elo based indeed wow you guys have so you get like nft achievements right yeah it's, it's, I love it's that. not like an nft yeah. i think the, that should be tradable i don't think badges of seasons have a reason to be traded because that's kind of like cheating the system but it will be some kind of like po that you valid, can show right? off in your profile saying like, hey, in the very first season of Castle Blackwater, I was rank legendary. And that's going to be really cool. I mean, very many credits if somebody can claim that in a couple of years from now. Oh, it's it's great because if, if you go back on your Xbox, like the first Xbox or like the PlayStation and you go to your, your account and you see all the achievements exactly. you made when you were 12, yeah. 13 years old, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. epic. Like I, I completed uh, the whole game. I have a thousand achievement points, right? It's And, uh, and the beauty of Web3, still, uh, it, where my mind goes to with this is like, hey, now you're in the sandbox or another metaverse and you have these tokens and then the community can add value to that as well. It's like, hey, you reached Legend in season one you're getting these perks in the metaverse with us oh, like, that's cool yeah oh yeah mind blown endless possibilities yeah right? that's that interoperability that yeah. everybody is like striving for by, by working together it's it's going to be beautiful it's going to be unlike entertainment and gaming that we grew up with because it was all so very compartmentalized by game companies who were competing with each other individual yeah, game exactly. titles that had nothing to do with each other but the future of gaming is 
going to be eerily similar to what Ready Player One is pitching in where everything is going to be intertwined. Currencies are going to be converted with each other. We're already now speaking to to NFT uh, uh, wallet partners who are building interoperability into their wallets and just want to have these communities jump in between using portals. It's it's really happening. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's, it's so exciting. That's the reason that we had to hop in the space. Like, you know, this will be... Yeah, I'd rather be on the train than watching it go by, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, just, just the 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 cross cross console uh, movement a few years ago was so revolutionizing, and this is like on a on a different level. This is so much yeah. bigger. It really is. You guys have such a great understanding of the game mechanics. Did you guys develop that yourselves? Because I believe the game is not yet developed, right? That's on the roadmap for next year and the year after that to really get to the playable game. Yeah. Or you guys have a couple of employees. Can you guys talk about the structure of the Go business? Come on, Rainbow. That's on you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that the in terms of the the structure of the game and and coming up with all these systems and thinking about the logic behind it and and all those kinds of things, we did we did it together for ninety five percent of the things I I, I think. Um, but it's that, that's the reason that it's really useful that we were hardcore gamers back back in the days because you you know you did so many different games and you still can remember like oh this feature I really liked about this game this feature I really liked about that game so you really have like a clear understanding of the principal game mechanics so to say you don't have to do like a study because you studied yourself for ten years for eight hours per day so you know that's a lot of study. <laughs> Nice. Um, so that part we already got covered and I think that Jojo is really good in the whole financial uh, part and he really wants to get you know into, into the depth of it and then we are just checking with um, you know industry experts to see if the things that we are thinking which you just make thinking about logical models and you know logical formulas um, you just yeah you just uh, get, uh, you, give, you give them an opportunity to give feedback that gives you more insight and after a couple of months combining all that knowledge that really gives you a really clear understanding and with understanding comes a clear vision and i think that that took like a few months to get there and then we added uh, employees but most employees we are not even paying them a salary like most people are just really excited about the game and they reading everything and they just come to us like hey guys I want to work 10 hours, 20 hours uh, for Castle of Blackwater. I really believe in the vision. I believe in the game. And yeah, we will see later down the road how you can, you know, come, um, uh, give us something back for all the effort that we are doing. But people are getting really excited. And that that shows to me that, that we, are, we are on the right path. Because if people are getting excited and they just want to invest time because they want to be a part of the, the team, yeah, then I think you're on the right uh, way. And then I'm getting excited. You guys are really good at, you know, conveying that vision and getting people excited about this. And that's so cool to see that people are also willing to work for free. That's that Web3, you know, soul that uh, is going around right now. And you guys really taking the full advantage of that. It's so cool. Yeah. Awesome to see. Now, we've been very fortunate with, with inspiring people to believe in the vision. And I think it really helps that we uh, are able to formulate that vision so clearly in the white paper. Um, it's It's quite difficult to get people to read our white paper because it is so long and it's so detailed but a lot of the people that do then come back to us and say like hey this is this is new this is different than anything else i've seen out there 
I don't know what this can be, but if this could be big and I want to be a part of that and whether you can pay me now or later, I just want to have, you know, my name attached to this project because this could be one of the revolutionary projects of, of Web3 and, you know, hearing people say that and then tagging on the team and, and providing value, that's, it's fantastic. We feel so blessed. Yeah, I bet. Congrats on that already. Super cool. And, you know, the guys uh, put a light paper up on the website as well, which I'll link down below. It's not as in-depth as the white paper, but it gives you a good understanding, yeah. I think, nope. of the game as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. So, where do you guys expect this to go over the next months, years? Like, you guys are building on, is it a 2D game uh, in the beginning? Yeah, to an the isometric yeah. view, if, if, if there is somebody in the tech that understands what kind of... <laughs> but yeah, it's a 2D, not 3D. Yeah, I mean, initially, that that's one of the reasons we decided to go with this genre and style of game as well. Uh, we think route to market is increasingly important to not just game developers, but to the community as well. I mean, nobody really wants to wait three to five years for a game to develop if they've already bought an NFT. So getting something, a first version out there, playable so that we can start involving the community in playtesting, balancing as quickly as possible is, is one of our top priorities, if I'm very honest. So that's why we estimated as soon as we have the funding, I mean, building a 2D game can go very quickly. There's no physics, there's no complicated lighting that you have to worry about, no shading. So uh, we think we can get a playable alpha out before the end of this year and a full playable live version that is ready for tokenomics within the next year. Wow, that is quick. Yeah, and what are you gonna say, Raymond? Yeah, maybe the best thing, maybe to add that part is like accessibility is one of the hardest things now in Web 3.0. Like there are many people that heard something about blockchain, but it's still really hard. If you if you talk about them, yeah, you need to create a wallet to buy an NFT. People are getting like an error, you know, they they just don't understand it yet. So what we really are focusing on is what Jojo was saying: first, first to build the game as soon as possible, the internal alpha build, and then deploying the game in the web browser. Um, but we are already ha- making the infrastructure that we can really easily port everything and build everything in an iOS and an Android app. Um, you can play the game. You don't need an NFT. You don't need to understand anything about crypto or blockchain. You can just, you know, play it as any other Web 2.0 game. You will earn some tokens if you play. Like if you're the most valuable player, you, you will get some tokens, and then we will help to guide those users that earn tokens. Like, hey, did you know that the tokens that you earned can be can be used to rent an NFT, for example, and then you can play this role. And then it's like. A, we will help them and guide them with great UX. And that is more my background, web and app development. We build those web 2.0 users, those web 2.0 gamers. We try to get them into the web 3.0 space in a very easy way. And I think that is our main focus to build a fun game, which is sustainable, uh, but also really accessible for most people. And you know, that, that will, that is the thing that, that Web 3.0 needs now. A lot of 2.0 players that, that sees the revolution and goes to this space. So that is one of the things that we really try to, yeah. Uh, yeah, to be perfect on, so to say. Well said. Cool. Yeah, I, I can already see like, you know, one of my friends that is a Web 2 player. I, we play a lot of games. I mean, in the Netherlands, it's, it's crazy, right? People love board games and just games in general. Mm-hmm. And Among Us was big and I can already see people playing the game, loving it, and then getting this pop-up like, hey, you climbed a rank, you're getting this NFT. And they're like, oh, NFT, what? Oh yeah, create a wallet. And now, you know, they're slowly being onboarded into the space. Yeah. Um, even though they might have never even thought about, you know, getting into the NFT space. That is going to be so cool. Yeah, that, that, that's wow. a thing. Yeah, many people actually say 
say that the the gaming revolution is going to be the biggest onboarder of uh, people to the technology just like how back when the internet was coming up and technology was happening get early game stations really helped onboard people to that uh, internet revolution as well so we think that's going to be similar in this stage and it is our responsibility to make that transition as as easy and natural as possible to yeah to really help out in that sense because it, it it makes it better for everyone yeah correct yeah it's simply a better experience superior experience Indeed. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I find it very interesting. I, I'm wondering, how, how are you guys going to market uh, the, the coin itself just to play the game? Is, is it going to be an in-app purchase or is it going to be on the, 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 like the, the, the regular marketplaces like Binance? Or what, what are you guys thinking about? Just Yeah, so we have a, a two-token system. We have a governance token and a utility token. Um, but the governance token <coughs> can still be won by winning games and the utility token can be won by playing games. So every game, just by doing objectives, you will win some of the utility token. It's called COBS, Castle Blackwater Spend Token. Um, but only the games that you win, you will earn the Castle Blackwater Earn Token, which is the, the governance token. Um, so in order to clarify on what Raymo was saying as well, uh, when players from Web2 come into the game and they don't have digital wallets, Technologically, what we're doing is we're giving them off-chain tokens. We're giving them tokens that are not actually cryptocurrency. However, we will save the cryptocurrency equivalent of what they're earning in a separate pool. So they have off-chain tokens, and at any point, we will instruct them, this is how you create a digital wallet. And then they can make a transaction where they can change their off-chain worthless tokens yeah. for the on-chain tokens that we have reserved for them. And then they become an onboarded Web3 user. They can claim it in a way, yeah. like, a, like an airdrop. Exactly. And that we'll is... be taking that taxation. <laughs> nice. That is that is a wonderful system. So technically, I could buy loads of bags of Cubs and Cobe E tokens. Um, how would that benefit me within the system? That, that surely there is a benefit to having them, right? Other than yeah. cosmetics and... I mean, sure. we already kind of I mean, talked about that. That's, but... that's the whole point, right? So we have the, the, the governance token. That'll be more Web3 oriented. So that will give you the options to uh, to do some staking, to provide liquidity, because that's healthy in, a, in an economy as well. Uh, it'll be used for governance, for voting rights. So uh, as we're transitioning towards more of that DAO culture, we will open up more possibilities of where we think, hey, you know, the game can go in two directions. What does the community think? And that governance token will be your voting power. Yeah. And we think it's kind of cool how you know you earn the voting power by winning games so the more games you win the higher skill player the more vote will be you know, the more your vote will be worth as well in that voting process um and so by buying the kobe token you'll be able to uh, have that voting power kobe is also used to buy land which is another important aspect moving forward uh, land also gives you more energy which also does help you to earn a little bit more and land also gives you unlimited restricted access to these faction hideouts uh, the spend token is the token that's really used in the bidding room. So that's the one that will have that fluctuation in the beginning as players cash out their earnings. Then at one point you will think, hey, you know, I like this game. I'm willing to buy cobs at this price level. Maybe it's three cents per token, knowing that in the game you can spend that token in order to increase the control over your fun and cosmetics. Wow. I, yeah, it's crazy. yeah, I'm thinking of anything else to ask you, but I think you guys covered it all for, for the tokenomics and the, the, the game uh, system that you guys are developing. 
I'm just I'm just wondering because we, we can uh, buy the initial um, like the Genesis mm -hmm. piece, right? Yeah. So, but that's not the governance token. No. No. So the initial thing that you're buying is the the Generation X NFT. Um, like I said, exactly. we don't want to come out with a token until there is clear utility and there's a game for that token to be spent in to prevent a Ponzi scheme, pump and dump kind of scenario. So early investors, early people who want to get on board can invest in the NFT of Generation X and they will instantly become a part of the community. Now, even though we're not creating a token, we do want to give that extra utility to the NFT while the players wait. So from the day that you buy your NFT, we'll have a staking platform on our website, a staking protocol, where instead of selling your NFT or listing it on the open market, you can lock it into the staking protocol and you will start earning credits. Now, depending on which faction you have, you will earn a different amount of credits between one and three. And every day that your NFT is staked, you will have these credits so that by the time we launch the token, the Castle Blackwater spend token, for example, um, we want that distribution to be as fair as wide as possible. So we will distribute a, I think it's like 5%. We will airdrop it to the community that have been staking their NFTs uh, on the basis of how many credits you've earned. So the more NFTs you have staked, the more credits you have, the more tokens you will get once the game launches. Yeah, correct. And how, how yeah, so that's the incentive. Yeah, yeah. How large is this first Great. collection, Genesis collection of each faction? And what are the details on that? Yeah, the, the very first one. So we are uh, right now we are offering nine different characters and each character in the end, we will have 1000 pieces of, of each. However, right now for the 20th of May, we have the golden whitelist. So we only sell 550 NFTs on the 20th of May. And those are like the lowest entry price. I believe the protectors are around like 0 0.05 ETH uh, per piece, for example. Um, so yeah, that, that is the, the, the biggest benefit right now is the all, all the 9,000 characters will be a Generation X, X NFT. However, the, the ones that will be coming after the golden whitelist will be more expensive that's that's the thing and later on when we in the, in the end before we start the game we will have 20 different characters that you can buy and can play but the next 11 characters will not be a generation x uh, nft so you, the genesis nfts are only uh, these first 9000 yeah so that if there's going to be a decision to add any value within your own ecosystem it's going to be Genesis X first. That's that's basically what you're saying, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. Yeah. But before before yeah. the game launches, there will be more character collections as well. I think before the game is actually live, there's probably we've already outlined twenty characters in total, because every game needs at least fifteen, and you want some kind of diversity and replayability within each game. So there will be twenty characters in total, one thousand NFTs of each. We're starting with Generation X, which is the first nine characters, 9,000 NFTs. And the first 500 of those we are selling now in order to raise that initial kind of capital to, to do some more marketing and to really put ourselves on the map. Uh, because full transparency, the, the NFT market right now is, isn't in the, the, the biggest craze. It's not the, the best time to sell out a 10K collection. So we're not going to attempt that if we know it's not the best time. Um, so we'd rather sell this smaller sub collection now of the 550 make sure that our security is good make sure that the infrastructure is good make sure that everything around the minting process is is fine-tuned and when we have that done we have a little bit of, of capital so we can start building already so 
by the time the next sale comes around, we will wait until the market conditions have improved, um, until there's a lot more hype and people have found our project, because that's very difficult to do when you're bootstrapping your own project. And that's when we will hit them with the next uh, 8,450 NFTs of this collection. Awesome, yeah. I'm kind of curious, is your target market for marketing right now mainly focused on Web3 based people or Web2 based people? Because I think like we said, Web3 is a rather small community, uh, getting bigger and bigger, but are you going to be able to find enough people that get excited about the game or are you going to need to tap into that Web2 community? Well, initially that's going to be... Uh, initially it's going to be web three focused because you are still helping people buy an NFT, which is kind of a web three dynamic. Um, we are currently investigating uh, collaborations with like ramp and Crossmint. Crossmint is actually a third party application that allows you to buy an NFT without even having a digital wallet. So you can just buy it with your credit card and it'll email you with a digital wallet, including that NFT. So it's, it's something that we're experimenting with. We're not sure how well that's going to work. Um, our objective is, you know, if, if my grandma says I want to buy an NFT to like invest in my grandson, she has to be able to do that through the processes that we designed. And that really comes back to that accessibility. Um, but for now, we're focused on Web3 marketing, probably for the next push when we have that accessibility in place. That's when we'll also open the doors to to the other um, part of the market. I think you can you can start tapping into the web 2.0 space once the, the 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 app is live, right? Because people know how to how to download an app in the App Store and in the Google Play Store, and that that is the moment that you have the possibility to really market the web 2.0 community. And you're not even talking then about uh, uh, cryptocurrencies. You're not even talking about NF NFTs. You're you're hyping the game towards them, and and that it's a web 3.0 game. They will find out later when they download the game and they enjoy it. So. Yeah, the market, marketing for that will be in a later stage. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's exactly what I was thinking. And at that point, you might get to that magical point where people, like you said, don't even know they're playing a Web3 based game. They just are. They yeah. don't even know NFTs and blockchain is involved. And once we get to that point, yeah. you know, it's takeoff time. Well, that's why on our, our landing yeah, page, there, also, there are games doing uh, that on, right? on, our, on our landing page from the website. It also doesn't say, you know, the first social deduction game on the blockchain or the first play to own game. It says the first social deduction game that pays to betray. And that's kind of our play on words where we're not yeah. hardcore saying like, hey, this is blockchain. You have to understand blockchain. No, it's a social deduction game, but it pays to betray. So it's kind of a little contextual meaning there. Smart. Very. But what were you gonna say? Yeah, this. No, I I was just saying there are games already on, live on the App Store that that are using the blockchain uh, for every transaction, like Upland and, and games like that. But you still have a real real strong vibe of like you need to connect a wallet and the the onboarding process is okay, but it's not not the best. So are you are you guys investigating games like that on Wax uh, mostly? I think. Uh, trying to figure out what what kind of way they're onboarding people or are you trying to figure out a new way to do this? Yeah, that's a little bit of what Jojo already said with the two token system and that's the reason that we also went with that model is because you can just give them like every gamer is known with earning gold for example or coins in game and they can only spend those coins in the app store itself people are know this model very well so the, the thing that we uh, try to create with the two token system is almost the same thing like the off-chain token it's you can almost compare it like if, if people are earning gold or 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 coins so uh, you don't need to connect any wallet 
I, I believe that if, if you implement that specific model, there is no difference be between that model or just the regular model of earning gold and coins. So I don't think you really need to invent everything again. You just need to be like, I think the founders has to have to understand that people just don't understand blockchain and you shouldn't ask to connect a wallet and that there are already possibilities to make everything seamless, uh, seamless, seamlessly uh, look as a web 2.0 application. But people are just too hardcore focused on, hey, this is a blockchain game, you need a wallet, you need to connect it. Of course, eventually in, in the end, if you want to get like the maximum benefit out of the game and, and the maximum value, then you can ask people to install a wallet. But it's, in my opinion, very weird if you ask people to connect a wallet the moment you launch an app before you can even play something, because it's not like you can create a, a system in which you don't even need things like this. Uh, you can just work with the coin and gold system with an off-chain token and convert it into an on-chain token the moment people are more familiar with the game. So I think that is the, the way that we at least want to go forward with that uh, part. And that's also a reason that we don't really look at those games because they are really Web 3.0 focused already. Too much, too much Web 3.0 focused. You guys are bridging that really well. So you're not over romantic about Web 3. You're truly seeing it for what it is and what it can do, and then translating that to to the right uh, target audience. I think. How does the the fair play uh, collective come into play? Because you guys are founding members, right? And yeah. um, like, are you guys trying to build your own own chain and and trying to get everything that's that's like uh, bootstrapped? W working with, together with the fair play collective like onboarding people to join it and build on that platform or is it all just castle of blackwater no let, let, so, let right? me talk you through how the fair play collective kind of originated um because like we explained early on in the conversation when Remo and i discovered how bad the first generation of play to earn games was we set out to uh, be a difference a refreshing breath of air in an industry that was really capitalizing on problems um, but we soon discovered as we were building and we were still speaking to other developers, we realized that just having, you know, building one game and having one vision, it's not enough to convince this, this mass of people that are really capitalizing on the current problematic system. Um, so we had a lot of conversation with builders and it was like one-on-one, -on -one, you know, we were saying what you're doing is unsustainable. They were saying, no, look at Axie Infinity, everybody's making money. And then the kind of conversation clashed. So when we eventually did speak to people and we're both big networkers, so we speak to a lot of people, uh, when we did spe speak to builders that had this kind of forward thinking, progressive mindset and that could get on board with our vision, we said like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had a community and we combined our voices? Uh, so that's what we did. And that's how the Fair Play Collective kind of was born. It's a community of other play to earn games who have like the same uh, vision as us saying that the play to earn industry should be better. It should have a certain amount of um, industry standards that high quality projects should abide by. And in that sense, we are we are vetting projects. There's an assessment. There's a framework. People can earn our quality assurance. It's like a Gurmerk in, in Dutch. Um, knowing that if our brand is featured on a website, the game is vetted in transparency. So they're public founders, they, are, they have a history, they can be found on social. Um, there has to be uh, strong communities where people are allowed to ask tough questions and don't instantly get banned for FUD, for example. The economics has to make sense. Nobody has to have, have, have solved 
the problems, but they need to understand the what the problems are and they need to come up with some kind of solution to, to handle those. And the fourth one uh, is that the game has to be fun. And we, we found a model that quantifies fun. Um, so we onboarded four other projects and that now forms the Fair Play Collective. Uh, we recently found out what DAOs were and have been completely obsessed with turning this thing into a DAO. We think it's a fantastic new model that also has some problems that need solving. So we really look forward to innovating on that front as well. Um, but it just really fortifies, you know, we're not just at this alone. We are working together with four other play to earn companies and every week we meet and we talk about what challenges do we face? How can we help each other to do better? And it's been such a, an inspiring journey learning from each other. And I think that's played a huge part in the acceleration that we've managed to find in, in the past few months. And we're, we're very happy with things. Yeah, and, and the really cool thing about the Fair Play Collective is we kept it really private in the beginning. And now we did like two sessions which were public, accessible, with like really experts in the, um, in, in the game industry. So game economists, which are both having PhD and you have like really in-depth discussions about the economics, etc. And the funny thing is like we only did like two of those live uh, events for, for, for the public and uh, Unstoppable Domains, for example, right now is in one of the, it's possible, it's like, pretty close, in a very deep stage of becoming, for example, pretty close of becoming like a sponsor of the Fair Play Collective because they saw the content and they really liked what they what they were seeing and you know the effort that was being put in there so that's the funny thing like that's and, and also the cool thing about web 3.0 if you really try to do something innovative and you try to help people and you try to you know bring something new to the space the eyeballs will come your way really fast and that's also one huge advantage of the fair play collective is of one project that are five six seven bigger projects so you have a lot of eyeballs coming your way and a lot of brilliant people working together to build something which is even better so yeah that's i, I really like the whole fair play collective thing it's so much value uh, ever since the creation of it it's cool is it still open to the public like joining it in a in a sense or is the board the board and yeah it's, it's going to stay like that or yeah so the, the founding members are now the founding members we've spent the past three to four months really laying a foundation of how we think the, the thing should be run so that that founding member status is kind of locked in um, but we are now at a stage where uh, uh, get play to earn games can apply if, if they do believe in that vision, if they see the framework on the website and they think, hey, we abide by this framework or at least we strive to, they can apply for a membership, we'll be in touch with them, then we, we run them through a technical assessment. It's like an eight hour procedure that includes reviewing the white paper, interviews with the founders, and we end up delivering an advisory report where we say, hey, this is the score that you get. You're losing Joe. Huh? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Oh, oh you okay. cut out for a second. To? Where did I get to? Uh, and through the technical application that we go oh, through okay. them. We, yeah. and, we then, and then they get an advisory right? report yeah. that says, you know, this is how we think your project can improve. Uh, they get a score. And if they hit, I think, above 75%, oh, they no. can become a member and get all the, the benefits. If they don't, they get the tips that they need to fix in order to reapply. And they can also join uh, what we call a preparations program, which is where we assign one of the founding members to be their buddy, like a mentor. They have weekly sessions. And it, the, the whole idea is to just lift up the industry as a whole to anybody that has good intentions and wants to be better. Those are the kind of people that we're looking for. Those are the people that we're trying to support in order to create you know, a long lasting industry and not something that collapses in on itself within the next couple of years. And in a Web3 manner as well, instead of centralizing some kind of we organization. We try to, yeah. That is indeed. fantastic. Mm -hmm.
Hey, guys, I think this might be the most information-dense <laughs> podcast we have done so far. Yeah, we get that a lot. It, it's yeah. so, so many yeah. technical terms, right? I love it, though. And, um, you know, if people have questions, I'm sure they can find us in our communities, <clears throat> you know, both you uh, guys and Dutch Web 3 community, to ask away and uh, get into the nitty-gritty of everything we've talked about. Uh, is there anything we want to end this with uh, from you guys' side? I want to say one last thing in that we've been we've been super. Do you, oh, the sorry? question on un- Oh, the question unanswered. Yeah, I wanted to yeah, say my last thing before we close off in uh, thanking the the Dutch Web Three community. Um, you know, when Raymo and I started this, we we didn't know that there was a Dutch Web Three community. We really thought it was us against the world in a sense. Um, but then finding out that there is a a Thai community run by <laughs> Bo, you do it very brilliantly. Um, that that you know looks out for the Dutch people in it, and we we've been to events now. We went to Portugal together to the NFT conference. It really puts the Netherlands back on the map yep. when I thought they didn't have a space on the map in the Web3. And that's really reassuring to know that we're not the only ones who see this. So thank you. Yeah, and I want, I want to thank you guys as well because you're going to uplift this whole scene, right? Where I, I'm just fumbling we a all bit are. everywhere. And all you guys are like, oh, th- oh, dude, maybe you should look at that or just figure it out in that way. And, and everybody's helping each other in a really Web3 manner, right? And uh, I, I think that's just so inspiring. And that's the reason we're, why we're yeah, hosting the podcast, trying to push it forward and just trying to onboard everybody at a, at a different stage than you guys are onboarding people. But it, it's we're getting there as well. And uh, if we keep pushing, we'll get there, right? Every we'll just drop have the sustainable economy within Web3. And yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing. And uh, I, I hope we can do an event um, with, uh, we were talking with hodl.com or dot, uh, .nl. Uh, Do you know the guys from Huddle? Uh, No, No, but I I would really like to invite you guys for a a quick session with them because they're um, building building something. I can't say what it is, but you could guess, right? Uh, (laughs) And I think you guys really need to join the table in, uh, yeah, and just just giving them some feedback on their project because you're going to give them so so much value on just all the mechanics and the look and feel but we'll get into the details yeah, after sure, we stop no the problem. recording we will <laughs> sure sure yeah, more than thank you guys oh we're going to give some whitelists away right we, we've already okay, started yeah. only for the web three though so uh you're you're ahead the new guys all in yellow we gave you some spots and you can divide it uh on your yeah within your community so yeah that is fantastic i'll well, be we, uh, buying we're just going to raffle yeah thank you guys so much for sharing this and the passion coming from you guys and the vision it you know it makes me excited about everything that is to come in this space i would love to help anywhere we can so we'd hope to see you guys within the community uh, as much as we can and uh, yeah thank you for this we're gonna have to do this again next year once you guys have made you know some oh, significant so. steps for a blue chip project Exactly. I mean, that would be fantastic <laughs> to see. So thank you, everyone, for listening as well. If you want to hear, learn more about Castle of Blackwater uh, or NFTs. All right. Thank you general. very much, guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yeah. Have a nice weekend, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.